This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today. Off Scripts Time Capsule. Rating and ranking the years that have shaped us. I'm Robbie Greenfield, and alongside me is Chris McCarty and Sona Rapani. Working our way through the years, we'll highlight world events, cultural achievements, and the stories that have been forgotten. So we have entered the noughties. It was, I did a little bit of digging, a little bit of research, because as you know, we like to present a kind of overview, yeah. certainly at the start of a new decade, as to what these 10 years threw up collectively. And I did a little bit of research. It has been described by the respected economist Sally Blount as the wormhole decade. Due to the rapidity of global change compared with the decades preceding it, the noughties was like entering a bit of a time warp, like one of those hyperdrives in Star Wars. Okay. Globalization, digitalization. And arguably, things have changed more in the noughties than they did in any other decade in history. That's a big claim. I think it's it's a fair claim. If you think about it, you still had French francs and flip phones in 1999. By the end of 2009, you had the collapse of Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns and Arthur Anderson. You had social media. You had reality TV. You had iTunes. You had iPhones. You had Mm. a globalized planet. Yeah. But I would think with the advent of computing, that would be a decade as well. That would have changed dramatically from one end to the other. Like if you think about the start of the 70s to the start of the 80s. True, but it started slow and it it gathered pace. And I think the noughties was when it really hit yeah really really sort of hyperdrive if you like but um we prefer to kind of look at some of the more inane stuff that was happening <laughs> so always, um, as this, we do. this was the decade of capitalism and nothing was safe even baby names so in 2000 there was actually a company that launched an initiative whereby parents who wanted to make a quick five thousand no. dollars off their child's name could profit the Internet Underground Music Archive, (laughs) an alternative music website, awarded cash prizes to the first 10 entrants who named their baby Ayuma, which is, of course, (laughs) the acronym for Internet Underground Music Archive. I was about to say Ayuma is actually a lovely name. Yeah, it doesn't sound Mm. that bad. Until you find out you've been named after the Internet (laughs) Underground Music Archive. Ayuma. I quite quite like it. I think it's a nice story. I I might jot that one down. (laughs) Ayuma McCarty. <laughs> Ayuma McCarty. If I can get 5K for it, it's on the table. Right, elsewhere, this is an amazing stroke of luck. A man was given a 13-year sentence for armed robbery in the state of Missouri, but the state forgot to put him in prison. And their mistake wasn't discovered until 13 years later when no. it came time for his release. No. So he was 22 at the time. His name was Cornelius Michael Anderson. He wouldn't have lasted long in prison he, with a name like that. No, he wouldn't have. He and a companion robbed a Burger King. I don't know how a guy called Cornelius robs a Burger King, but he did. Managed at gunpoint to take $2,000 from the till and was apprehended. He was caught two months later taking refuge in his girlfriend's apartment. At his trial in the year 2000, he was sent to 13 years in prison. He left on a $25,000 bond. After numerous appeals, the Supreme Court of Missouri upheld the conviction in 2002. His bond was to have been revoked. He was to have been arrested to serve that 13-year sentence. However, there was an error in communication and the Missouri Department of Corrections believed he was already in prison. So they didn't follow through. 
Now, the error was still not discovered when an appeal was filed. And meanwhile, he had gotten married, founded a company, voted and renewed his driver's licence, all using his full name and address. That is amazing. The the question here, (laughs) because I hate to think that crime pays, is he now serving his sentence? Have they realised the error of the I don't know. I didn't didn't follow up on that. It was only discovered in 2013 that he had never spent a day in prison. Those whole 13 years, you would just be looking over your shoulder yeah, you being would. like, One, today's going to be the day. They're going to figure it out. Well, he wasn't clearly that flustered. He started a company, for goodness sake, <laughs> in his own name. You've got to pick your movie of 2000, Easy. Chris. Easy. I can pick it for you. You know I, I know, I know exactly this. where you're going with it. Yeah. Shall we hear? Shall, of course, I've got the, I've got the, the clip. clip. Come on then. How dare you show your back to me, slave? You will remove your helmet and tell me your name. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor Marcus Aurelius. Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. It really is one of the great <laughs> moments. I'll stick by this. mouthing along yeah. to that the whole way. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the great cinematic moments when that happens. It is. I, I still get goosebumps listening to that, cheesy as that may sound. I was looking into the, the background to Gladiator, and apparently the script was, the script was so bad yeah. that Russell Crowe initially didn't want to take the part, mm. and um, he had to be cajoled into doing so. Joaquin Phoenix and Russell Crowe became great mates, apparently, great pals throughout the course, despite the fact they were sworn enemies in the <laughs> film, proving that real life does not mirror acting <laughs> necessarily. And um, he said that uh, apparently at the time, Joaquin was still getting a lot of conversations about his brother who had passed away seven years earlier and press which is still continuing to hound him on the memory of, of river and he actually said that um in a press conference he said russell had treated him like a brother and that mm. apparently hit russell crowe in a very heavy way interesting yeah it's nice to hear yeah, that. that's a really they're, moving they're, moment they're, they're, they don't seem like the kind of guys that would be bosom buds do they no. Uh, but then again, wha- I don't know either of them, so... Joaquin's a bit more introverted. Uh, I guess Russell's a bit like that as well, though. I mean, he has kind of got this gruff Aussie kind of exterior, but they're both complex fellows, certainly from looking in from afar. I've obviously, I don't know either of them, but it's uh, it's nice to hear that, that they were good b- booze and buddies, and both fantastic in that movie, if you haven't seen Gladiator. Oh, it's a great film. Oh, it's brilliant. Have you seen it, Soane? No, of course I haven't. Oh, God. Oh, my Lord. Soane took one look at the movies and went, nah, nothing from here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, t- I think we can assume that this is not going to be wowing Sona Rabani this particular year. But I'm picking this film simply because Chris, and it's scandalous that Chris hasn't seen this. And um, having been a massive fan of Guy Ritchie's breakthrough, which we talked about last week, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, Brad Pitt approached Guy Ritchie and he said, I need a part in your next film. Now, Ritchie was obviously chuffed because Brad Pitt's on the phone going, hey, can I have a part in your next film? And he's like, sure you can. Do you want to be the lead guy? Do you want to play Turkish, who ended up being played by Jason Statham? Pitt couldn't do it. Why couldn't he do it, Chris? He was struggling with that rough London accent. And that left him just a few options of characters to play. All right, yeah, this is Turkish. (laughs) (laughs) I could have helped him out. You could have done it. Pitt could do an okay Irish accent. But he didn't really need a great one to play One Punch Mickey, the Irish travelling boxer. I want to play this clip. I want you to tell you guys, especially Chris, you haven't seen it. How do we rate Brad Pitt's quote-unquote 
pikey accent. Now, there is a problem with pikeys or gypsies. What are you doing, Potter? You have to wait back. I can't really understand much of what is being said. You tell me. Come back to Cadron. He's thrown ill. Tell me, Mickey. It's not Irish. It's not English. How are you? Fair, the winners can't just for the horses, you know. It's just, well, it's just pikey. Just look at the size of it. How big are you? Hey, kids. How big is he? He's a big man, that's for sure. Hey, man. Come on, look at the size of this fella. <laughs> that is Brad Pitt <laughs> playing One Punch Mickey. Who, this has blew my mind, this stat. He based this accent on a Father Ted character. Yeah. Who knew that Brad Pitt was a fan of Father Ted? It sounds like every Scotsman on a Saturday night at about 2am as well, that, where it's just intelligible. You, you can't actually hear yeah. what the heck he's banging on about. Uh, Sean Connery was offered the role of Bricktop. Um, he said, you won't be able to afford my fee, so he declined it. <laughs> and eventually Alan Ford, who was tailor-made, for this part I'm not sure he's been in any other film I think he's an actual real life gangster but he played Bricktop instead it's a film you simply must see Chris I yeah, don't know well, why you haven't gotten around to it it's scandalous that you haven't seen it it's, it's the I biggest blot there. on your copybook Oof. you say that but you, you don't okay, you're, you're, you're hurting me now Rob. wow this you're, is getting personal you're digging I, deep yeah. I, I just can't believe he hasn't watched Snatch it's, it's literally it's, or Lockstock and two smoking bar- barrels I've not yeah. watched either and I'm a big fan well I say I'm a big fan I've become a fan of Guy recently with a couple of movies that I've watched don't do Sherlock's they're not for me but um, mm-hmm. I will give them a watch I promise right. you the year 2000 also saw a breakout role for Christian Bale in this dark quite funny psychological thriller slash horror um, now, in this scene, five identical-looking guys working in finance, wearing identical pinstripe suits, get jealous of each other's near-identical business cards. I can't believe that Bryce prefers Van Patten's card to mine. But wait, you ain't seen nothing yet. Raised lettering, pale nimbus, white. Look at that subtle off-white coloring. A tasteful thickness of it. Oh, my God. It even has a watermark. (laughs) That was Christian Bale. I saw this movie at the cinema, and I was thoroughly freaked out by it. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll let you into a little secret. This was date number one with my now wife. (laughs) Oh, no way. Yes, it was. Oh, wow. And and this wasn't your pick of the year. (laughs) You went for Gladiator instead. I was too freaked out by it. uh, Because Christian Bale's her number one. You know, on the laminated top five list. So it's Christian Bale who's her big number one. And we had to watch this. And I'm pretty sure I watched it behind a cushion. Because it was a bit too too violent for me. It's full on. He's a big Phil Collins fan. Is Patrick Bateman, who Christian Bale plays. And this is a great little stat. He's a big Phil Collins fan. Yeah, he plays Phil Collins whilst murdering people oh, essentially in the movie um, he modelled his character I'm sure this individual wouldn't be particularly pleased to hear this but apparently Christian yeah. Bale modelled Patrick Bateman after Tom Cruise yeah. <laughs> uh, in attempting yeah. to find a way to connect with his character Bale happened upon a late night interview between Tom Cruise and David Letterman and he said in an interview that he channeled Cruise's intense friendliness with nothing behind the eyes <laughs> to play the role of the Wall Street wow. serial killer um, Tom Hanks was back on the silver screen this year with Castaway, and in this scene, Chuck Noland, the character he played, successfully starts a fire. <laughs> fire! Take it, Joe! Light it up! Come on! The torn, the hook, the dead, and throw! 
Now, this film was going to be really weird. It wasn't going to be anything like it, it actually transpired to be in the end. Initially, it was scripted as a comedy, and there's a, also a draft script where Wilson, the football, comes to life. <laughs> Imagine what kind of film it could have been then. Um, they, they'd been Thank sort of goodness. throwing around <laughs> ideas, and one of the concepts was revealed that Wilson would suddenly, you know, it would just pop up, come to life, and it would be Toy Story, essentially. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Like Chris said, thankfully they didn't go that way. Uh, mm. One last clip for you. Meet the parents, Robert De Niro. He did a bit of a segue from gangster crime to comedy, and I thought we'd play this little clip. Do you want to hear a story? I milked a cat once. A cat? Into the family. You know, just... I had no idea you could milk a cat. Oh, yeah, you can milk anything with nipples. <laughs> I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Other notable oh. films that year. The Beach, Memento, X-Men, The Perfect Storm, Billy Elliot. The Beach gets short shrift. Danny Boyle was the director. I'm a fan of The Beach. Yeah. Controversially. It's been a, a weird one. One of Leo's planned. weirdest movies. Yeah. Thailand. Killer Sharks, that kind of thing. Robert Carlyle's in it as well. It's a great movie. Moving swiftly on. Malcolm in the Middle, CSI, Crime mm. Scene Investigation, the original. Mm. Curb Your Enthusiasm, one of the greatest comedy shows. Yeah. That's going to fall on deaf ears. No one's agreeing with me there. Jackass. Mm-hmm. And the Series 1 of the UK edition of Big Brother... The reality TV craze was taking off in a big oh, way yes, in is. 2000. And I thought we'd just revisit that diary room to find out what people were just hooked on back in 2000. I'm not having it. I'm not having people taking the mick out of me. I've had it all. I'm grown up now. And I'm not having them sit there and go, I'm buzzing, I'm buzzing, are you loving it? Because once you let someone walk all over you and they think they can, then they do it. You can see why it was so popular. That was about as understandable as Brad Pitt in Snatch. Correct. <laughs> yes. Even I struggled with that, in all honesty. And yet millions would sit there down 9pm every single night during that beautiful summer of 2000 and watch season one of Big Brother, Nasty Nick and all. It was Craig Phillips, if you're interested. Yeah, it was, the builder. The builder from Liverpool <laughs> would go on and get a building show on BBC yeah. TV in the UK. Craig oh, Phillips. Things were innocent back then. Oh, yeah, they were. Uh, let's move on to music. Chris's nomination for his song of the year 2000. Come on. <laughs> well, just take a little listen. defence. You stitched me up there. You've gone for the Clubland version, Robbie. That's not the one that I sent over to you. I go DJ yeah. Tiesto. Nah. There's a remix um, yeah, from yeah, DJ your, your clip was four minutes long. That was the problem. Yeah, but I actually timestamped it for you as well. <laughs> you timestamped about two minutes. Exactly. Which is, at least it's <laughs> all that play. Play two He was thinking that's that. two minutes where he could just watch sport. And yet he clipped up 40 <laughs> seconds there and played the wrong version. Nah, that's not the one nah, for that me. Was... That's a bit of an immature version. If those of you that love your dance will know DJ Tiesto remix of that Delirium Featuring Sarah McLachlan oh, is I didn't realise it was <laughs> such a sensitive issue. If you're going to do it, you got to right. get the right remix, Rob. Okay, apologies. I hold my hands up there. Craig David. I've gone a little more immature, I would say. Okay. I mean, who doesn't remember being 15 and listening to that? And that's, this is around the time he was doing all that work with Artful Dodger as or well. 19 in my yeah. case. Yeah, he, he exactly. was um, He was actually at my, well, not at my university, but his Southampton was his hometown. Right. So he was up to 
Did you ever see him spot him around town? A, a lot of people did. A lot yeah. of students said, I saw Craig David the other night. I never saw him. He but, actually uh, stole the girlfriend of our old producer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> producer Tom. <laughs> Do you remember that story? They were out somewhere, and uh, Craig David just came right up to her and just started chatting just her up. Whisked her away. Yeah. And- Producer Tom, by his own admission, said, listen, what did I have? Craig David comes up and away she went into the night sky for the yeah. night air, more to the point. Night yeah, sky that, that is a man you, you cannot compete with. No, Craig David comes up. <laughs> wearing I'd, his beanie. I'd be like, Zoe, away you go. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Asking, can you fill me in? He's like, yeah, yeah, I can. See you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and I have gone for to be, to be honest I've found the music this year to be frankly underwhelming yeah. but I feel this is the best song from 2000 a stranger thing that never changed my mind Probably their best album, in my yeah. opinion. Because this was the same album where they had uh, Scar Tissue, wasn't it? Yeah. Scar Tissue, Californication? Californication. I think this was their best album, by a distance. But uh, there are fans of Red Hot Chili Peppers who would say that um, some of their earlier stuff was, was better. Mm. Um, but yeah. And I found an article and went through the top 100 songs of 2000. You're not wrong to say. Terrible. I think the best song was Destiny's Child. Was it Say My Name? I think it came out number one, Ooh. Bye 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 by NSYNC. Oh. And then another Britney Ditty. Well, these it was are, a, a, lot, a lot of these are clipped up, so oh, right, <laughs> we've got to get through some of them. I tell you what, you picked out Delirium, Chris. You could not go to a nightclub in 2000 and not hear this. French duo Yann de Stagnol and Romain Tronchard. It's the first song they did together, okay? The lyrics are about a guy who meets a girl at a disco. That's all very, very solid, okay? The words are quite simple. That's because they claim they weren't very good at writing lyrics. (laughs) And the B-side of this single is an acoustic version of the same song, which kind of underlines their overall lack of versatility, I Yeah, when you said their first song they did together, you mean their first of their only song together, probably. I can't think of another mojo hit. Yeah, exactly. I'd be sitting in a room for a long time trying to (laughs) rack my brains to come up with that. But um, someone's saying that the Siesta remix of Silence is absolutely one of the most definitive trance songs of all time. So that just heightens the service I've done Chris here. I'm just seeing the next song on the list. I did not realize this was from the year 2000 because I yeah. would have easily picked this and over this Craig David hopefully, had I seen hopefully this. Hopefully this could redeem me in Chris's eyes. Collaboration, Darude, a Finnish DJ collaborating with JS16 and Bombfunk MCs <laughs> for this one. It was number one for ages in Finland, and then it spread around the rest of Europe, and it became a global success. It actually became the best-selling LP single worldwide in 2000. Yeah, It's a great tune. It is. It is a great tune indeed. 13 years of age, first year at high school, dancing along to that. Now, uh, I may get in trouble for this one, but I could not resist clipping up this as well. Let me see 
anyway, uh, right. Cisco's real name, and this really did crack me up. His real name is Mark Andrews, who sounds like a consultant or a banker. Mark Andrews is a he, tight end from Baltimore he's Ravens. He's still only 42, is Cisco, okay? Is he really? Yeah, he's still only 42. Huge. I, I, did, I looked into his, his sort of, his kind of track record. His popularity was peaking in 2000. It went off the radar. He then faced gun charges in 2003 before reinventing himself as a reality TV star. In July of 2013, he appeared on the reality show Celebrity Wife Swap, <laughs> where his girlfriend was swapped with the wife of 1990s pop singer Gerardo Mayer. Wow. That That's is some niche dollars, that. What a <laughs> niche. Type this to find Cisco facts. <laughs> I mean, that is niche, to say the least. Oh, I've never heard of Celebrity Wife Swap, oh, but I'm, sure. I'm curious about it. I, I was backing Sonal to select this as her song of 2000. Should you have, was I wrong or right? Okay. If I had more than five seconds to pick my song, yeah. which is why I ended up with Craig David today, I still would have stuck with Sandstorm. If I had spent a little bit more time and actually knew what was out there. Okay. This, this, would, be, this would be a close second. Okay. Good song. This was biographical, actually. Um, the lyrics were a message to the mother of singer Erica Badu. Erica Badu. Erica Badu. Sorry. I couldn't. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Interesting spelling. <laughs> Uh, Andre Benjamin, a.k.a. Andre 3000, had a child with Badu out of wedlock named Seven Sirius Benjamin. And he basically was trying to tell Badu's mum that he was actually quite a decent fella after all. They Miss Jackson has made up. They called the child Seven Sirius Benjamin. Sounds like a Harry Potter character. Um, it does, yes. Sirius Black, of yeah, course. Yeah, that's right. There's a few more songs that we can get to. Eminem's Stan, that Zumble Dido was, was a huge uh, hit as well. Kylie made a comeback, Spinning Around. NSYNC, I know you're a massive oh, fan. Bye, bye, bye. 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 Uh, we, can, we can hear a little bit of bye, bye, Come bye, on. actually. I may or may not have danced to that song. They've got a little routine. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> Done that many a time. Oh Nightclubs across the globe. I've seen a six foot five Scotsman dancing dancing. <laughs> right, sport in the year 2000. Chris? I'm going to go to the Summer Olympics 2000. Sydney hosting it. I think you've got the clip here. And this clip, well, it just epitomises why. This is where Cathy exploded in Atlanta. Graham's in front of her. Freeman's got work to do here. There's about 150 to go. Guevara and Mary are right up. It's going to be a big finish. Into the slate, Graham leads. Freeman runs up to her. Mary inside. Kathy lifting. Goes up to Graham. Takes the lead. Looks a winner. Draws away from Graham and Mary. This is a famous victory. A magnificent performance. What a legend. What a champion. Kathy Freeman winning yeah. the gold 400 metres. Correct, yes indeed. She became, I couldn't believe this when I was reading up on this recently, she actually became the first gold medalist from uh, of any of the torch kind of bearers, those that light the torch. She became the first athlete to do that and then go on and win a gold medal. She also became the first Australian Indigenous person. She was a Commonwealth gold medalist at the age of 16 back in 1990 to then 10 years later at home in Sydney with her iconic 
big full body suit to do what she did it was just goosebumps I remember at the time thinking this is incredible for Cathy Freeman to do it in the way that she did and it's a moment that is it really has stayed with me all these years this that was part of Magic Monday in which saw that Michael Johnson won his final individual Olympic race he won the men's 400 metres Stacey Draglia won the first Olympic women's pole vault and Jonathan Edwards won his first gold medal in his fourth Olympics Haile Gabri Selassie beat Kenyan rival Paul Turgat by 0.09 seconds in a furious final sprint in the 10,000 metres it was also in Olympics we saw Eric the Eel Eric (laughs) Sambani he um, captivated the city the Aquatic Centre. Michael Phelps made his Olympic debut, and all in all, it was a pretty good Olympic Games. And Thorpedo was the toast That's right. of the swimming pool, Ian Thorpe. We've just got time, really, for my tip or my pick for the moment of the year in sport, and it has to be this one. It has to be Tiger Woods winning the US Open by a quite ludicrous 15 shots. His friend, or at least his friend at the time, Marco Mira, explains how ridiculous that was. <laughs> to win it by 15 shots and, and win a major championship by 15 shots, that's just unheard of. It'll be a long time before that record's broken. Tiger Woods is the 100th U.S. Open champion in history. The record margin of victory for any major championship. Before today, it was 13-shot victory in the British Open back in 1862 by old Tom Morris. Golf hadn't even begun in this country back then. He set a record that predated golf in the US. He'd then go on to win the Open at St Andrews by a mere eight shots, meaning 23 shots between those two iconic majors at Pebble Beach and St Andrews. And he also won the PGA for good measure in a playoff over Bob May, which is a good quiz question. It is. Um, Pete Sampras at Wimbledon won his final Wimbledon title, which saw his parents, his notoriously shy parents, attend for the very first time. And France, they won the Euros. Brilliant drinking run from a substitute. And it's Trezeguet! France have done it! It's a golden goal and a magical night. Trezeguet, that was brilliant. Decent year, all told. Off Scripts Time Capsule. Rating and ranking the years that have shaped us. Thank you for listening to the Time Capsule. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and please do, if you've got a moment, give us a review. This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today.